It's not unusual to find plenty of wine caves and wine cellars in wine country. What is unusual is discovering a sophisticated broadcast facility inside these well-protected and often top-secret chambers. But maybe it really isn't that surprising that America's number one wine broadcast originates from the soul of wine country. And it is our great privilege to do all we can to inspire you. If you drink wine simply because, well, it's a drink, we've got our work cut out. For literally thousands of years, wine has fueled celebrations, ended conflicts, and provided the ultimate connection between one human being and another. It makes food taste better, lifts spirits, sparks our imagination, and beckons us to slow down and love life. If that all sounds good to you, you're in the right place. So sit back, clear your head, put any worries you have on hold, and join us as we go in search of this week's Grape Encounter. But be warned, we speak a much different language than what you typically experience in most wine-centric environments. But you didn't come here because you're ordinary, did you? Good, because your host, David Wilson, is here to take you far, far away from the beaten path. Here's David. And it is time for your weekly Grape Encounter. And you know what? Being a wine lover, a wine enthusiast, I have to tell you that... What I'm about to say goes for me, it goes for my friends, it goes for everybody I know. We are just people who want to have fun. We want to sit back and have a nice time, enjoy our wine, and, you know, just be joyful. But this last year has been a major pain in the butt because every conceivable thing that would disrupt our joyful wine experiences has been thrown at our feet. And just when you think that you've seen it all... You can't go to restaurants anymore. You can't go uh, shopping for wine the way that you used to. You can't go, uh, certainly can't go to most wine countries. You can't go to wine festivals, you know, and we're very supportive of our country. We try to be good citizens, uh, try to do all the right things to to be cooperative and, you know, to stop this uh, horrible COVID plague. But just when you think that there's nothing else that can be thrown at you comes the latest obstacle. And it's not really the latest because it's been around for a while now, but it's really, really getting a lot of traction in terms of people starting to hear more about it and understanding it. And it is the T word, folks. It is tariffs. Tariffs, tariffs, tariffs. I'm not going to get political here because it's not – I don't think this is about being on one side or the other. It's about – tariffs that are doing a tremendous amount of damage to nice people in various aspects of the wine industry. So, you know, on a Grape Encounters, we go right to the top. We go for the big kahunas here because there's one person in particular that I think could tell us more about um, this whole tariff situation and why you want to be concerned, and that would be our friend Ben Aniff. He is president of the U.S. Wine Trade Alliance. And not only that, he runs one of the most acclaimed wine shops, I think, on planet Earth, maybe in this universe, as a matter of fact. It's Tribeca Wine Merchants in New York City. And uh, I'll tell you about some of the kudos that they've gotten. But first, I just got to – I'm talking too long, Ben. I got to get you on. How are you? David, thank you so much for having me. It's really a pleasure to be here. 
You're a guy who runs a, a really, really high-profile business in New York City, but dude, you're a Texan. <laughs> it's like absolutely West Texas, born I, and raised. I was when you oh Abilene when when my screen lit up to tell me that you were on board here. I was really hoping you were going to have like a cowboy hat and you know all that. Because, you know, I'm wearing boots. It's okay. <laughs> you know, a guy who is is famous for the selection of burgundies that you sell in your store, but you know, dressed in a cowboy uniform <laughs> that would be totally great. Okay, so. We don't want to get too far along here without telling people why this matters to them. But this matters a great deal, doesn't it, to most serious wine drinkers for a variety of reasons. You know, we've heard, Ben, about tariffs. We've been hearing about them for a long, long time now. But tariffs on wine are a really weird deal because the reason that they're placing tariffs on wines has to do with jumbo jets. Am I right? That's exactly right. Yeah, there's <laughs> Boeing and Airbus are mad at one another. Right. And the WTO gave the United States a $7.5 billion award to tariff European products as a result of illegal subsidies the EU was giving to Airbus. Weirdly enough, the U.S. chose to tariff wine products and food products a lot harder and stronger than they tariffed Airbus products, which is really bizarre and really concerning, particularly because, you know, tariffs on wine do a lot more economic damage to U.S. businesses than they do to their targets abroad. Okay, let's let's just stop there for a second because I want to make sure that people are getting this. No, we are not high. This is really the truth that there's a dispute that has to do with Boeing and Airbus and manufacturing planes, and they decided, man, you know, the best way to get to the root of this problem is to go after the wine industry. That's why, exactly right. Why is that? Because we serve wine on planes, or is it because planes take us off to wine country uh, adventures. Is that it? I think they rolled the dice and somebody lost a bet and they're seeing if anybody noticed. It's a good question. Yeah, it's really, really, really bizarre. They could have like, it could have been like circus animals or, you know, they could have gone after bleach manufacturers, but instead they went after the wine industry. Do you have any idea whatsoever how that came about? Why did they make that particular decision? You know, it's a really good question. Usually what would happen is when you've got a dispute involving something so hard and fast like Airbus, right? right. You got one company who's right. at fault, who the U.S. is mad at. You'd say, oh, you know what we're going to do? We're going to tariff Airbus. And that's exactly what Boeing asked, by the way. They asked the U.S., please limit your tariffs to Airbus products because that's the thing that would sort of bring stuff back into balance, right? Right. I don't usually like to speculate, but uh, it is true that Airbus is a really powerful company. Yeah. And they're also really politically influential in the United States. Um, right. It's, okay. it's a fact. They do a lot of lobbying in the U.S. And I, I think, you know, you don't have to be a genius to figure that they have really powerful lobbying firms that, you know, convinced uh, certain people in the, in the U.S. that maybe they shouldn't be quite so hard on Airbus. And the reality is, is the wine business was an easy target because most of us are really small family owned business. I mean, the wine industry in the U.S., there's about 400,000 employees, but there's there aren't one or two or three or four companies that have, you know, 25 or 50,000 employees. There's almost 55,000 businesses. We have an average of less than five employees per company. Oh, my gosh. And that's from retailers to importers to distributors. We just 
don't have the resources to compete in this big international lobbying world where you've got monolithic companies like Airbus who have loads of people in their pocket, and, and we didn't really have anybody. And so we were an easy target in the beginning. So it's like you're robbing a bank and you see the 96-year-old grandma over there who can barely walk. And we grab her as our prisoner. We take her captive because she can't fight back. And yeah, does, that's, doesn't that's, have the, that's exactly right. And, and plus, I mean, go ahead. Amazon has more LinkedIn job openings than the largest wine business in the United States. <laughs> I mean, J.P. Morgan has more HR professionals than the second largest or third largest wine company in the United States. I mean, we are almost all small family-owned businesses, the vast majority of us. Whether even if you're a famous importer, you're probably a really small family-owned business. So it's you didn't know you were supposed to be checking the federal register to see if the government was threatening tariffs on your products. And we're better about that now. Now we know that we've got to check constantly. We know that the threat of tariffs is real and that we're at risk. And But when these tariffs were first announced, it's you know never in a million years would we thought that the U.S. government would be the biggest barrier to our success for a time frame. And it gets really ultra complicated, too, because tariffs go two directions and they actually impact a lot more people than you would really initially think. And we're going to have to dig real deep down to really explain why this is such an important story and why every American should be concerned about this, at least every American that listens to this show. Oh, absolutely. I think it's also really important to point out that tariffs on wine from the EU they also really hurt U.S. small producers. Uh, we are talking to Ben Anif. He is uh, the managing partner of Tribeca Wine Merchants, but also is president of the U.S. Wine Trade Alliance. It's a David and Goliath kind of a thing, but you thought I was David? Ben is David for the day. So we got two Davids that'll be back after this commercial break. Many wine enthusiasts describe wine as a kind of time machine that can transport you to the place and time it was created without leaving home. Whether you're sipping a Sangiovese from Italy or a German Riesling, tasting is traveling. That being said, Total Wine & More is like the world's biggest airport. With more than 8,000 wines from every corner of the world in their stores, you can be incredibly adventurous and savor every journey. Plus, you can do all of your shopping online at TotalWine.com and pick up your order at your local store or curbside for the ultimate in safe shopping. There's always more in store at Total Wine and More. In Greek mythology, we learn the mysterious connection between walnuts and wine. When Dionysus, the god of wine, fell in love with Princess Caria of Laconia, her sisters tried to prevent the romance, so Dionysus turned them into rocks. He also turned his beloved Caria into a walnut tree. She was, after all, a hard nut to crack. At mmorganics.com in Paso Robles, California, walnuts and wine is the ultimate love story. You'll flip over their 100% organic port-style dessert wines and organic heirloom walnut products, including sprouted snacking walnuts in five awesome flavors, irresistible raw organic walnut butter, free-trade chocolate-covered walnuts, 
And for bakers, MM Organics produces 100% gluten-free walnut flour, estate walnut oil, and of course, their crazy delicious raw walnuts. Get all their products online at mmorganics.com. That's mmorganics.com. Summer is here, invigorating our state of mind and sparking desires for things that complement our playful mood. Yep, our barbecues are already working overtime, cranking out slabs of baby backs that pair perfectly with light, crisp summer sippers. And if you need a little inspiration, check out the summer wine list that no one can resist. It's Total Wine & More's Top 12 Summer Wines, featuring a truly eclectic cross-section of wines, all under $20 and many under $10. Plus, Total Wine & More is offering summer wine bundles that save you up to $24 on a variety pack of wine. And now that we've all gotten into curbside buying, you can order online at TotalWine.com and pick up your order in the store or just outside for a contactless experience. The best lineup of super low-priced summer wines is just a click away at TotalWine.com. was to walk up to anybody and say, what do jumbo jets and wine have in common? You know, you would probably answer, well, they serve wine on jumbo jets or jumbo jets take us off to wine country. But you certainly, certainly wouldn't probably come up with the answer that is the subject of today's conversation. We're talking about tariffs and how a dispute that involves uh, international production of passenger aircrafts has managed to set the wine industry on its ear. It's so incredibly strange that it's, I almost can't believe we're even talking about this because it seems like such an illogical thing to happen, but uh, stranger things have happened in the, well, <laughs> this this whole last year or so. And uh, so our guide through this very complicated issue, and uh, hopefully he will also tell us how we can play a part in changing some of this, is Ben Aniff. And Ben is the president of the uh, U.S. Wine Trade Alliance and also runs one of the most respected uh, wine bottle shops in New York City. It's uh, it's Tribeca Wine Merchants. And if, if you're into wine, you probably know that name because uh, they were the editor's favorite of Wine Spectator magazine. And Food and Wine magazine said you were one of America's best wine shops. That's quite a good honor. Absolutely. We're really thrilled with that. Thank you, David. How long have you been in the industry? I've been working in the wine business since 2006. Lovely way to spend your days. But you're a Texas guy. I don't think a lot of people realize just how big the wine industry is getting in Texas. Oh, absolutely. Texans love their wine. Look, my family has a cattle ranch, and what else are you going to have with a nice big fat steak than a, a great bottle of red wine? It actually raises an interesting question about the difference that I think our listeners might have perception-wise if they're on the West Coast versus the East Coast. Because if you walk into a a wine shop on the West Coast, you're likely to see a whole lot of California wines and you're going to see Oregon wines and Washington wines. In your place, there's going to be a heavy emphasis on imports, correct? 
That's absolutely right. I mean, we focus on wines that we're passionate about from all over the world. And it's true that our shop in particular is famous for Burgundy and Mature Bordeaux and Rhone. The sort of thing that I always say is we want the great wines from all over the world. And the price point's really about real estate. You know, it's like an apartment. If you got a great two-bedroom apartment, um, does it overlook Central Park or does it overlook Redbud Park in my hometown of Abilene, Texas. But you can get, you know, what it takes to make a world-class bottle of wine is the same. You know, a great piece of land and a passionate vigneron. And we're really excited about wines from all over the world. We're great friends with loads of terrific winemakers from California and from Oregon. We're excited about, you know, the new projects in Chile and Argentina. It's just such a pleasure to be a part of the wine world. It's a great community, and there's delicious stuff being made all over the world. Why is it, though, that in New York, European imports have so much more traction? There's, I think, a greater understanding of those European wines on the right side of the country versus the left side of the country. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, I think it's really, it's pretty simple. California and Oregon have such amazing local wine regions that it makes sense that the wine shops there, local wine regions, right? I mean, if you can get in the car and visit somebody and then go back to a, to a shop in an hour and buy it off your local shelf, uh, that's pretty remarkable. And New York just, we haven't had that. We've got great wine regions now in the Finger Lakes, of course, right. it's about a five hour drive, you know, on the North Fork of Long Island, which when the traffic is <laughs> heavy is trying to be a five hour drive, it's about a two or three hour drive. You know, there's good and bad, right? People that live in New York City, particularly, you know, we don't have the luxury of having access and an easy afternoon to go taste from a world-class wine region like you guys do in California. Um, but on the other hand, it means that we don't necessarily focus on our local wine region. We have all of the great wines from all over the world. Yeah. And because particularly, you know, all the historic wine regions from Europe, they wanted access to the U.S. market. And New York is the shortest, you know, hop over the Atlantic um, to do that. New York was always sort of a big focus for those guys. And it's so easy for New Yorkers. You know, you, you can leave New York City on a plane, you know, at 9 p.m. from JFK. You have dinner on the plane. You go to sleep. You wake up in Paris yeah, at 7 a.m. and you can have lunch and champagne. And it's practically the same effort to get to California. Well, I can top that, Ben. I certainly in uh, October, November, even the late part of uh, uh, September, all I have to do is uh, open up this door over here. And if I my arm was one foot longer, I could just, you know, pick a, a bunch of a Cabernet grapes. <laughs> oh, right absolutely. Well, of course. I mean, I'm right dead smack in the middle of a vineyard here. Oh, I mean, that's an incredible luxury. But, you know, it's funny. You see the same thing all over the world, right? Like if you're in France visiting wine region, if you're in Bordeaux, most of the wines you're going to find in wine shops are going to be Bordeaux. Most of the wines right. in the yeah, wine list are going to be Bordeaux. If you're in the Loire Valley, it's the same. If you're in Burgundy, you're going to find mostly wines from Burgundy. If you're in Tuscany, you're going to find mostly wines from Tuscany on those lists, which makes sense. So, you know, there's, uh, you know, positives and negatives to it. You know, right. we don't have the great luxury you guys do of being able to take a 20 minute jaunt and go t taste from a world class vineyard. But on the other hand, it means that there's probably more variety of great wine from all over the world in New York City than maybe anywhere else. And a big part of that is because we're not located in the heart of a great, great single wine region. Your conversation here is raising some questions that I got to throw at you. First of all, when we talk about the, the current tariffs, we're talking about how much and on what wines. Let's start there. The current tariffs are 25%, which is Ooh. massive, by the way. Yes. The largest tariff 
on any product the USTR has put on in this stuff. Is that right? And Yeah, exactly. Airbus itself is only tariffed at 15%. Okay. And they were only tariffed at 10%. Oh, my sakes. gosh. Crazy. Wow. Wow. But it's not all wines. I, I think uh, now it, it, champagne is excluded, is it not, and sparkling wines? Sh- champagne and sparkling wine are not included yet. What is the logic there? Yeah, I can't speculate. They, just, they, said, they said, well, well we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna put tariffs on wines that are imported from Europe, but let's not put it on the sparkling ones. Maybe uh, the bubbles won't allow the tariff to stick. I don't know. It just doesn't make any sense at all. Are there any other exceptions that we should know about? The amount of alcohol, too, does uh, change the amount of tariff as well, right? It does from Spain. But basically, right now, on December 30th this year, or the 20 2020 goodness the last thing to you know end 2020 right now the tariffs are effectively on all still wine from France and Germany plus wine that's 14% or under alcohol from Spain in bottles that are lower than 2 liters ugh i shouldn't know that all right all right now hold that thought ben okay we're going to come back and i have just been texted a question which I have to throw at you, which is a very logical question, but I'll throw that at you when we come back from the break. We're talking to Ben Aniff. He is the president of the U.S. Wine Trade Alliance, also known as the USWTA. And he's a longtime wine guy himself and has, by the way, a great reputation. You're a very hot topic in the news right now, Ben. Well, I talk a lot about tariffs, unfortunately. I'm really (laughs) excited to not talk about tariffs again once they're finally repealed. (laughs) Okay. Uh, And then we can go back to talking about, you know, the great wines around the world. All right. Okay. Well, listen, we're going to be back in just a second. We're going to take a little quickie break here and uh, we will return with Ben Anif from the U.S. Wine Trade Alliance and talking about something that just doesn't make any sense. And it is a layer of unnecessary suffering that's been yet again thrown on us wine enthusiasts. And there's a point where you just got to put your foot down. You put both feet down in the barrel as you stomp the grapes. But that's a different story. We'll be back with more Grape Encounters right after this. Did you know that there's a lot more going on in the world of Grape Encounters than what you hear each week on the radio show? If your answer is no, it means that you're not as plugged into our wild, wacky, and wonderful world of wine. But we can fix that right now. I really want to share a lot more with you than what we're able to do during the weekly show. Like wine recommendations, interesting ways you can play with your wine, information about upcoming wine happenings, and even recipes I've developed just for you. There are two things you can do to get plugged in. First, join the Grape Encounters Radio group page on Facebook. Make sure it's the group page. Or you can sign up for our mailing list at GrapeEncounters.com. In coming weeks, I'll be doing giveaways, offering free online parties exclusively for you, and a lot more. Please, don't miss out. Connect with me on Facebook or at GrapeEncounters.com. Words can be very confusing. When you're crazy, people say that you're nuts. But what if you're crazy about nuts? Well, that doesn't mean that you should be sent to the funny farm. It means that you should be sent to the farm of MM Organics, the producers of organic heirloom walnuts and walnut products that are so incomparably unique and delicious, other nuts will be reduced to wallflowers. Whoops, there we go with those crazy meanings of words again. After all, if being a wallflower means disappearing into the background, then why does being a walnut from MM Organics mean standing out from the rest? Confused? Well, you won't be 
when you discover the glorious deliciousness of walnut halves, baking pieces, fair trade chocolate covered walnuts, and other scrumptious walnut products from MM Organics. Learn more and order yours at mmorganics.com, where you'll also find our utterly irresistible two horse Portuguese dessert wine that everyone goes nuts for. Get crazy at mmorganics.com. We're back with more Grape Encounters. Hey, please do us an enormous favor and like us on Facebook. It's the very best way to learn about other opportunities that we may not share on the broadcast. Also, join our mailing list on GrapeEncounters.com. Listeners on our contact list receive some exclusive opportunities. Become an insider. Enough said. Here's your wine captain, David Wilson. So I never really thought much about tariffs before. I, I knew they existed and, you know, I sort of just am not in that particular world. But then when I found out that wines that were coming to us from Europe uh, suddenly had a, a 20%, let's just call it a penalty, a 25% penalty tacked on top of the wines, that makes a huge difference in what we pay for wine. But it also can drastically impact a lot of businesses, especially mom and pops, uh, literally putting a lot of them out of business for no good reason other than the fact that because there was a dispute that had to do with jumbo jet manufacturing that they thought, well, let's just to punish these people or at least get their attention, let's just put a, a tariff on wine coming from Europe. And uh, to talk about that is uh, Ben Aniff. Ben, tariffs go both ways though, right? I mean, what are they doing to us? What are we doing to them at current? Sure. So they put tariffs on some Boeing stuff and then some things like Kentucky bourbon and and a bunch <laughs> of different U.S. Pro- I mean, it's just kind of a mess. I'm yeah. sorry. We're talking about them putting tariffs on our products. So, yeah, we don't, we yeah, don't exactly. make that here. But you know but, what? Okay, they, didn't put, they didn't put any tariffs on California wine or, or any wine from the United States. No, let's, not, um, let's not give them that idea. So, But here's the question. If businesses that are selling a lot of, you know, they're focused on import wines – are suddenly hurt badly by the tariffs. I would think the the at least immediate reaction by companies like yours, like your wine shop, would be to sell more domestic wine or wine from places where tariffs don't apply. Is that something that you're doing right now? We sell what our consumers want, right? And um, we love selling wine from California, and we love selling wine from Oregon, and we've got great relationships and in both states. Right. Um, I'm from Texas. We don't have any Texas wines on the shelf right now. You, you know what it's like to be passionate about something. Right, yeah. You know? And if I tell somebody, for instance, that, um, you know, I know what you love is Petite Syrah from California. Right. But you know what? The prices on that are super high and I can't really... I don't really want to pay more for them because, it, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic and it's hard for me. So I'd rather you drink um, a Nebbiolo from Piedmont. That doesn't really make a lot of sense. If you love music and somebody tells you, you know right. what, um, Beethoven is a little I know you love Beethoven, but Beethoven's a little tough right now. So what we're going to do is we're instead going to have you listen to, you know, hard rock. Yeah, that, that's not really the way passions work. And wine for a lot of people is a real passion. Uh, the other thing that causes a real problem is for us in New York, we really rely on distributors like to get great wines from California and Oregon into our shops. That's who I have to buy from by right, law. Right. Actually, I'm not allowed to buy directly from a wine producer 
in California or Oregon. And, and that's and, the way it is and, almost and, all over our country. And yeah, I was going to say, most people don't realize that, that we have this thing called the three-tier system. It is the most obnoxious and we bit, all bit of bureaucracy. It. Everybody hates it, exactly. but, we're, but there's a lot of work being done to eliminate that. But and, heaven knows when that's going to happen. Yeah. And basically every state's like this, or the vast majority. So I have to buy from a distributor. And the, when those distributors, when they're not healthy – it makes it really hard for them to bring in right. great domestic wines. Right. And they, they especially can't bring in a new producer, right? Like so much of the exciting stuff in California or Oregon is done by really small family-owned producers that are really knowledgeable and really passionate. Right. they got a great piece of land, but nobody knows them. So they need a distributor to take a chance on them to say, you know what? Right. I know you, you're not a famous name, but I believe in you. And I'm going to bring your wines to all the great markets, and I'm going to put them in wine stores. I'm going to put them in restaurants. And when distributors are being hammered by the stuff they actually make a lot of money on, which is really the wines from the EU, it makes it a lot harder for them to expand their purchases of all the great, exciting stuff out of the new world. All right. Let me just uh, clarify and try to better understand something I know because I also have a wine shop and tasting room. I was going to say I've been able to monitor how tariffs impact my customers, but quite actually, we've been mostly shut down for almost the entire year because of COVID. So I don't have as much data to work from. But I will tell you this, that when a bottle of wine that somebody wants or a type of wine that they want is suddenly 25% more expensive, that means if they were coming in to buy four bottles of wine, they're probably buying three. And I'll tell you whose pocket it comes out of. It comes out of the pocket of people like Ben, uh, the distributors, the importers, the companies that move wine around, the delivery companies, people who manufacture boxes or gift bags. I don't care what it is. If it has anything to do with wine, it trickles down to absolutely everybody. And in the end, you got to remember that we are in an environment right now, right now, where everybody has to live on a budget because a good portion of this country is hurting. And that means that if they can afford to spend a couple hundred bucks uh, on wine per month, it's just going to stay there. And that means that whatever profit is shaved off of the top by, by sticking a 25% tariff on top of the wine, that's money that's not going to help the industry. <sighs> is that right? You're exactly right. I mean, look, we're in the middle of an economic crisis and small businesses are really hurting. I also say, you know, these tariffs are they're impacting the most important uh, profit center for restaurants all over the U.S. I mean, right. the fact of the matter is restaurants are able to make really great, healthy profit margins, particularly on wine from that's imported from the EU. And it's not a luxury. It is an absolute requirement for them when they're when they bring in a bottle of Sancerre and they can make a really healthy profit margin without charging too much for it. That's how they stay in business. That's one of the reasons you've seen, you know, a big outrage from a lot of the restaurant industry, too. I mean, the idea that they're putting these huge tariffs on their most important center of profit right as they go into what may be the most challenging winner of their lifetimes. It's just bizarre. So just explain something to us that I think probably 95% of the human population doesn't know the answer to, but you can tell us. Who gets that 25%? Whose pocket does that uh, go into? Well, it's a great question. So the people who pay that tariff are the U.S. importers. And, and by the way, in the wine business, they've almost always got to be 
a U.S. owned business. Okay. And the guys that gets the money is we pay the, the treasury of the United States. It goes to the, to the treasury. It's not allocated for any specific purpose. But it goes to the treasury. And I was going to say, it's, but it ain't like the treasury. Yeah, you, you the, know, the treasury's you, not sitting there and going, well, we took in, you know, uh, $176 million in tariffs this month. So we're just going to divvy it up to all these different wine folks here in America. Uh-uh. They're keeping it. It's not going in your pocket. Uh, yeah, it's not no, going to go. Exactly it's right. not going to help anybody that is going to help you. No, oh, you're exactly right. You know, the, the other really weird thing about this is Airbus, when their products are, are imported, Usually the importer of record is actually a French-owned subsidiary of Airbus itself. <laughs> okay. So if you really wanted to hurt Airbus, the guy that pays the tariff is Airbus, whereas the guy that pays the tariff here in the United States on the wine stuff, it's a small U.S. importer, what a small is, distributor, a family-owned business. What is wrong with this picture? Oh, my gosh. I get, ben, time is flying so fast. We just got one segment left of the show, and I want to ask you a few fun questions, too, but uh, we're going to take a little break here for a second, and uh, we will come back with uh, Ben Aniff, who is the, I almost said banana. Ben Aniff? <laughs> okay. Oh, I like it. Yeah, banana. If you say your name fast enough, you get a banana. Okay, that's an appealing name. Okay, we'll let that one slide. <laughs> Help. I can't stop. Low-hanging fruit. Sorry. I can't, <laughs> I can't stop myself. Anyway, Ben is the president of the U.S. Wine Trade Alliance, so we can have a little bit of levity right when we return with more Grape Encounters. Even though I spend almost every waking hour trying to track down all things wine, it takes nearly superhuman powers to keep up with the folks at Total Wine & More. I remember the first time I ever set foot in a Total Wine & More store, my jaw literally dropped to the floor as I tried to comprehend the astonishing wine, spirit, and beer offerings that were suddenly at my fingertips, wonderfully organized for super easy navigation. How do they pull off such an amazing feat? Well. It all comes down to an incomparable team of experts that constantly searches every corner of the world for amazing products priced so you can enjoy them on any occasion. Total Wine doesn't just sell the same old, same old. They're always busy forging relationships with outstanding producers on every continent so that they're able to provide exceptional wines that are exciting and new to you at incredible savings. New discoveries, must-have favorites, and more than 8,000 wine choices that you can even explore from home on your laptop or phone. Explore Total Wine in whatever manner suits you best, in person or if you've come to enjoy that curbside experience, you can order online at TotalWine.com and pick up your wine in the store or just outside if a contactless experience is your preference. And make sure to check for special opportunities that are always plentiful at TotalWine.com. There are always plenty of reasons to get excited about your next Total Wine experience. We like to talk about wine. If you're a frequent Grape Encounters radio listener, you know that our show is all about inclusiveness. For far too long, wine consumers have felt left out, simply because a small minority of, well, let's call them out, wine snobs have dominated the conversation. For 12 years, it's been my mission to give you, the wine enthusiasts that just want to have fun, a front row seat to everything that's cool about wine. And while we have a very intimate thing going on here, I've been thinking that we can take things where no radio or TV program has gone before. 
And so beginning next week, I'm inviting you and your friends to get together with me for a private online party. This isn't a big streaming free-for-all event. It's you, me, and your guests. You decide what you want to talk about, we'll set a time, then it's party time. So email me using the contact form at GrapeEncounters.com. Tell me a little bit about how we can make this fun for you, and I'll respond to as many requests as I can. Just drop me a note at GrapeEncounters.com. Even though I spend almost every waking hour trying to track down all things wine, Total Wine & More is impossible to keep up with. That's because they have a team of experts constantly searching every corner of the world for amazing wines priced so you can enjoy them on any occasion, like tomorrow. They're always busy forging relationships with the best producers so that they're able to provide exceptional wines that are exciting and new to you at incredible savings. And of course, your faves will be there too. New discoveries, must-have favorites, and more than 8,000 choices to explore online with your handy device while you soak up some shade. Visit Total Wine & More in person, or if you prefer a contactless experience, order online at TotalWine.com and pick up your order in the store or curbside. And for awesome summer wines, all under $20 and many under $10, be sure to check out their summer wines list at TotalWine.com. Hey, there's an old song that's uh, entitled, They Can't Take That Away From Me. (laughs) That's the way I feel being a a wine enthusiast, uh, being a wine journalist. There have just been so many ways that our industry has been impacted. And here we were, we just reminding our own business, just enjoying wine. You know, wine drinkers have a good attitude in life. But boy, it's an industry that's been hit particularly hard. You know, not on purpose. It's just COVID has definitely touched almost every corner of the industry. But then on top of that, we're dealing with a a really, really serious tariff issue that is inflating the cost of imported wines by 25%. And kind of helping us understand that today is Ben Aniff. He's the president of the U.S. Wine Trade Alliance. And when did you decide, Ben, to become political? Did you always have that in you? Really, August 2019, when they told us they were about to levy our industry with a huge tariff. And I figured I had to do something about it. And a bunch of other folks got, you know, really upset about it and worried about it. And that's how I became involved. Wow. Any regrets? No, no, not at all. I mean, look, you've got to fight back, right? Yeah. You know, you're kind of a, you're now an urban legend. As I said earlier, that, uh, (laughs) you know, just Googling your name, you come up before Benjamin Button. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Oh, that's hilarious. Or whatever, you know. But uh, anyway, let, hey, let's talk about something fun for just a second, okay? And, and maybe it's fun. Maybe you're just going to blank out on this question. But one of the things that I've really been trying to focus on on Grape Encounters is to help people find ways to continue to enjoy and immerse themselves in their passion for wine. I know, Ben, there's been so many people doing virtual tastings. <sighs> make me on. You know, it's a good thing. It's a good alternative. What are some of the things that you're seeing or that you're doing that are keeping people engaged that wouldn't be virtual tastings? Do you have anything you can share? Well, you know, it's so hard. I mean, what you're talking about is, is what's so exciting about the wine world, right? It's community. Right. It's sitting across the table from someone and breaking bread and sharing a bottle. And, and it's the thing that makes the wine industry, you know, such 
a great part of life. And, and it's one of the reasons I love what I do. And it's also one of the things that's most challenging about this pandemic is the fact that we can't do that. You know, we can't, you know, break bread with one another. We can't share, you know, wine with one another. And, you know, I think like you, I think, you know, the best thing, you know, about wine isn't necessarily just the immediate pleasure you get from it or how delicious or how interesting it is, but it's, yeah. it's how it draws people from different circles in and give, gives you a commonality and something you can really talk about. And, you know, get to know one another better, you know, look like you, it's a challenge. You know, we do virtual tastings, which, which are, can be great, but, but it's not everything you want. You know, you're missing out on a lot of life. And, uh, I just can't overstate how excited we are, you know, when we're actually able to have people in our shop again and, you know, pour someone a glass of wine and, uh, and not have to worry about it. Yeah, it really is. It's so strange. And I know what you're talking about because I am so used to hugging, you know, 40, 50 people a day. And uh, it, my dog will not let me hug him. That's He's so paranoid. <laughs> well, he probably heard about the gorillas in, in the zoo in L.A., I think, that just got COVID. So yeah, he's, your, a, he's, a little, well he's a little Maltese poodle cross and he runs around with a, a mask that's too big for him. And I just tell him, I go, get a mask that fits. But, you know, he doesn't listen. But that actually raises an interesting question. And I look around and I see that no matter where you look, if you're online, you're in stores, whatever, there is this plethora of masks that are being manufactured, every color, every shape, every size. They become like just a a fashion statement. What I wonder is when the wine industry is going to catch up with COVID. And what I mean by that is that, you know, the virtual tastings are fine, but it really works best if the wine is repackaged into much smaller containers where it really truly is a tasting and you don't suddenly have to go buy a whole bottle because so much of the virtual tasting thing requires somebody who's wanting to taste a wine to decide whether or not they want to buy the wine. They have to buy the wine first and it's backwards. And yes, I know that there are some people that are repackaging into smaller bottles, but do you see that as being a growing trend? Are we going to see a lot more of that in 2021? You know, it's a tough question. I don't know if if the wine industry is going to be fast enough from a logistical perspective. Yeah, Um, Part of it, it, it's just there's not a lot of packaging materials for super small bottles especially those that are smaller than just like the regular half bottle. Yeah. Um, which is what you'd want, right? Like you don't necessarily need, if, if you're sampling a bottle, it's not a 375, you know, you would get, you know, something a little smaller than that. But it's a really good question. And, you know, I'm not quite, I wish I had an an- a better answer for it. Hey, Ben, I really, really want people to know where they can plug into uh, what you are doing. I am committed to putting uh, a link on the Grape Encounters website so that people who you know, want to know how they can get engaged, uh, can do that easily. If somebody wants more information, they want to learn more about this, they want to write their congressperson or whatever, where do we send them? I'd tell you to go to StopRestaurantTariffs.com, where you can write your congressperson and ask them to have the Biden administration repeal all of the tariffs on food and wine from Europe. I, I read somewhere that you have been responsible for getting just under 30,000 letters written. They write letters, that many letters, and do the do the Congress people read those? Have, Congress, they really do care about they do. Okay. constituents. Yeah. They really do. Uh, so I, I always tell people, you know, write your representative, write your senator. We had 164 members of Congress from both parties 
sign a letter to the U.S. Trade Representative asking for the repeal of these tariffs. It's really important that people on both sides of the aisle in Washington know how how important this is. Look, it affects mainly small family-owned businesses and restaurants. Yeah. So listen, you you can't go anywhere because everything's closed right at the moment. So spend that time writing letters. Let's bring about some positive change. Be the solution. That's what we're going to do. And Ben, thank you. Thank you so, so much. And uh, folks, you can still, I think, buy wines from Ben's shop curbside pickup, right? That kind of stuff. Absolutely. TribecaWine.com. Really super cool shop that I've never been into, but I'm going to do that. Ben, what a pleasure to have you on. We're going to check in with you often. And I thank you for being here and bringing everybody up to speed. And we will see the rest of you next week. We won't see you actually because we're radio and we can't see you. We'll speak to you next week on Grape Encounters Radio. This edition of Grape Encounters has been brought to you by Total Wine & More. When Total Wine & More challenged themselves to keep more than 8,000 wines on hand, they pioneered a consumer experience that 99.999% of the population would have thought was impossible. It was an undertaking that I still can't totally get my arms around today. But I've spent many hours of my personal time being that adult kid in a candy store, using my mouse to learn about their extremely affordable top 20 wines of the year, or learning eye-opening details about the iconic winemakers behind Total Wine's Legends of Wine collection. TotalWine.com is an online resource so rich with content, it's hard to imagine a more satisfying wine-related experience. Spend all the time you want at TotalWine.com or at your nearest store. Just make sure you're back here with me at this same time next week for another Grape Encounter.